Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome, Donna, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Hi. Thanks for coming on and we can start by you telling us how long you've been with your husband and where you met. I have been with my husband for nine years now, actually 10 years this year. Wow. Um, We've been together for 10 years this year, but I wasn't fully emerging to the military wife for a good 12 months. We met through mutual friends at a party and yeah, we sort of hit it off really quickly. And before I knew it, uh, within six months of meeting him, we bought a house in Newcastle and I moved. <laughs> wow. So quick turnaround. But so when you met him, did he let you know that he was in defense? Was he joining? What was his situation at that stage? He had already been in for four years and had only just been promoted to LAC when I met him. So I already knew he'd been in. He'd been in for, I think, four years by the time I'd met him. But yeah, I, I had no expectation of what military life was actually like. It was a real eye-opener once I moved in with him because in the lead up to us, like, well, we're still in that dating stage, it was, I could still see him nearly every weekend. It was just that there was a three-hour commute between us seeing. So, and previous partners I've always seen on a weekend. So I just, you know, took that as if it was a normal thing, not (laughs) the whole trips going away at at a moment's notice. I had no idea what I was in for and before I moved up. And so did he give you any indication of, you know, how often he might go away and things like that? Or was it more because you were both sort of doing your own thing during the week and, you know, having that romance on the weekends, it was more of a kind of a soft lead into defence life? I think more the latter, yeah. It was a very soft um, introduction into the military life. I just thought it was like any other job that, yeah, he worked through the week. And I think in the six months prior to me, like while we were dating, I think he was on one weekend shift in that whole time. So I just thought, oh, okay, yeah, weekend shift. It comes up once or twice a year. That's okay. And within moving in from Sydney to Newcastle, uh, within the first week, Pitch Black was on and he was gone for a month and a half. And being in a foreign town, in a foreign place with no support or family around, and also being legally blind, it was a real, okay, here's military life for you. We just go away and you've got to just carry on life as if nothing happens. <laughs> so was he basically back at the office going, okay, boys, he, I've got a... I've got her locked in. She's moved in now. You can send me away now because you can you can give her the real defense life now. I have no idea. I don't, I just, yeah, I really don't know where it sort of come from. It was just that I don't know if he'd been away previously before I'd met him or because I know he did a three-year course at Wagga to do his training. So I do know he was based down there for a while and obviously they don't do trips while they're doing their training in Wagga Wagga. But yeah, no, it was... 
sort of an eye-opener, I guess he'd obviously been promoted to his LAC role and then that's obviously when the trip started. Once you moved to be with him and I guess settled into living together and got a handle on what his job entailed and I guess settled yourself in the new location, what was the reality of defence life? Like what was your mindset going forward with the relationship going, okay, well, this kind of what wasn't what it was before and it's going to be this going forward. How do I sort of like adapt to that or adjust to that it was an eye-opener and I guess whilst we were still in the whole honeymoon period of living together he'd only done that one trip in probably a a six-month period following that so he only really went away for the first 12 months we're together he only went away that one time so I think I still had it pretty easy compared to a lot of people so it wasn't a massive adjustment other than it was especially being I was only 23 at the time living in a foreign area I had to sort of learn to enjoy my own company a little bit but I think it sort of played into my favor I guess because I've I've learned to now enjoy my own company because as he's obviously progressed his career a bit more and we've now relocated back to Sydney and I'm near my family I've been able to enjoy that I've now got the kids that I can stay at home with we can do things as like okay it's not as a family per se but I'm still able to do things that the children aren't missing out and that was sort of our bottom line at the end of the day was even though he goes away backwards and forwards as long as the kids are not affected by it that was sort of our crux so it was a hard adjustment being in Newcastle and being so isolated up there because I didn't know anything like I hadn't even heard of the DCO, DFA. I had heard of none of these communities. So it was just, yeah, I was literally up in Newcastle with nobody, no family or friends or anything until I was working. I should say I was working full time. So that also did give me something to do that I wasn't just sitting at home by myself day in, day out for three weeks. And so did you have any concerns moving to a new location and, you know, reestablishing yourself, especially because, like you mentioned, you are legally blind? Like what extra considerations did you have to think about before making that move to make sure that, you know, you had everything that you needed and were able to live the life that yep. you, you wanted, especially with him coming and going? When we first were picking our house, because we actually did buy our house and we were thankful that there's DOAS around Stassen another good program that looks after people buying houses we made sure that the house that we bought was in a central location so we bought where the bus stop was literally 10 meters from my driveway so I could just walk to the bus stop and it was on a direct bus route into my workplace the other part of that that made it really difficult was after six months of being in that or eight months in that workplace they actually relocated their office from in Newcastle into Charlestown and I had to end up learning how to catch two buses, but the bus would stop at five o'clock in the afternoon. So I always had to make sure, and I was really thankful that my employer at the time was really flexible, that they knew, they understood I had a disability, they understood I was on my own and that my husband would go away with the military quite frequently. So they always allowed my shifts to be very flexible in that I could start and finish sort of around the bus timetable so I could get myself home and I wasn't just stuck so it, that was primarily why we did buy where we bought. Well, we weren't actually recognised because we'd only been together for six months when we bought the house. So we weren't recognised to be able to have one of the married quarters or anything like that. But it ended up playing in our favour because we managed to buy a nice house that we could 
do up and sell for profit to get us into the Sydney market, which is very tough right now. And so did you have any extra worries about the fact that you would have to move, you know, frequently if you chose to to go with your husband when he posts? Did you have any concerns about, you know, having to then set up new routines and and figure out how to get to and from work and finding a location that works for you and your workplace and you know, adapting around your needs and your disability. Did you have any concerns about having to do that over and over again? Well, that was pretty much exactly my thought. <laughs> I, um, after I think the, the first realization of what military life was like, I just, I didn't say it wasn't for me, but I said, there is no way I can follow you around the country, especially when I work in a state government job. So my job does not exist outside of New South Wales. <laughs> so I, there is no way I could physically follow him with my career to Queensland or Northern Territory and the location of Tyndall come up all the time. And whilst I know there's still suburbs around nearby, it still scares me because there is no transport around. And heaven forbid that my husband is then, we get posted to Tyndall and he then goes, okay, I'm going on a three-month stint to the Middle East or wherever they're going. I am literally stranded in the middle of nowhere with no family, no way of getting anywhere and really no way of living because I don't know how that was going to happen. So rather than think about the what ifs or what fors, when I fell pregnant with our first daughter, Lily, I um, made the decision that I was coming back to Sydney. We, we, we had been married and everything. And I said, I'm going to return to Sydney with my family. And I've actually built a, we built a house about 900 meters away from mum and dad. So I actually made sure that if he wanted to be in the military, that was fine by me. But at the same time, I couldn't follow him around. So we made that decision pretty early on in my pregnancy with Lily because we knew that it just wasn't going to be the lifestyle. And having a father that grew up in the military lifestyle going from, and that was back in the day when they moved annually. And he just, he hated being the new kid. And I thought, I don't want to do that to my children. It wasn't fair. They didn't sign up for this military life. And whilst, yes, I know many families have different circumstances where they do have careers that will go to and from. And, you know, there's so many people having a corporate background. There were so many people that would only see their husbands once a month because they'd be working interstate. And I thought it's the same type of deal with the military life. You might see them a little less regularly or a little less um, routine, I guess, that, yeah, you see them sort of on a routine type thing. But at the same time, it's, it's quality of life for the kids as well you want to think that they can be settled in and like I look at Lily now she's halfway through year one and she loves her school she loves her friends I couldn't think at the end of the year that I then rip her out to take her to another state where she's got to learn to do that all over again I don't think that's fair on her so we made the decision very early on that um, once we moved into this house that we're currently in now that I would stay here long term and this would be my husband's base and he can come and go as he needs to if he does get posted we got really lucky that he was due for posting last year but COVID killed that plan so he managed to get another four years out of his posting currently which works in our favor because now we've got a one and a half year old son that he now gets to see up until at least four and a half and then we'll work out from there but yeah, we're fairly confident that I will never move from my location now. And I guess the key is that you have chosen the best option and you've made the best decision that works for your family. And you've been able to make that decision as opposed to trying to make the lifestyle fit and trying to, you know, make 
your situation fit with the military lifestyle as opposed to instead of moving to a different location yeah. and then you not being happy because you can't get a job because like you mentioned you, your job's only in New South Wales and yeah. you know you have those extra considerations with your disability you've had that discussion and you yeah. you've gotten on the same page and you've had the ability to be able to choose what suits your family best yeah and that was sort of I hear that a lot when I tell people that I have made that decision to stay. So first of all, it was I made the decision and then it was a we made the decision. (laughs) But I made the decision that I was coming back to Sydney and staying. And then my husband sort of, he agreed that he wanted to, and he pushed it for his um, posting in his current location now. But when I speak about it with a lot of people, they will always say, that's not a proper marriage. A proper marriage is you follow your husband around. And I say, but what defines a proper marriage? Does every marriage have to be the same where you have to sleep in the same bed every night? No, there are plenty of people that work interstate in different countries. You can't define that your if your marriage can't cope if you are not staying in the same room every night, then there's other issues underlying in my in my personal opinion. And I think unless you've lived the military life, you don't understand how hard it is to make these decisions and to understand that it's not going to be a typical marriage because it's not. My famous saying's always been, my job isn't asking my husband to relocate every three years or four years. Why should his career define mine? And at the end of the day, that's what it sort of come down to was I still need to work and I still need to have a job. Otherwise, we don't get food on the table. We don't have a roof over our heads. So if I have to work, that's what the... I guess sacrifice is, is that our marriage, it's not going to be over or on the rocks or anything. It's probably in the end a bit better for us because we're not in each other's pockets all the time. And I think we've both learned to enjoy each other's company that we can survive without seeing each other every day. We still talk every day. And I think that should be the primary basis of any marriage is communication. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. The flip side would be that if you did follow him and give up all that you've set up for yourself in the location that you have and, you know, the support network and your job and having a fulfilled life of your own and making sure that the kids are sorted and they have the contact with the grandparents and all of that. Um, The flip side would be you all being in another location. He could possibly still go away. So you still wouldn't be seeing each other, (laughs) but you'd be stuck at home, depressed with the fact that you aren't able to go and get a job easily. You are restricted in some ways because of your disability and you're still not all together. Exactly. And that was exactly my point is that if I ever did follow him, it would be, I would be having to sacrifice my job. I'd have to sacrifice the family, the relationships with the extended family. And we're so close in that I only work part-time currently. And on the days that I'm off, I have my niece and then my sister has my son whilst I'm at work. So I lose that as well. I would then be having to fork out for childcare. So it's different things that, yeah, what works for us might not work for everyone. And I'm totally 
totally accepting of that. But at the same time, what we do doesn't matter, doesn't define what other people have to do. So, and it's okay to change the path. Like, you know, if that, if, if what you've chosen suddenly isn't working anymore and you think, okay, well, the distance is too much and we're at a time or a stage where we do need to be back together again, then you can change your mind. Like it's not like you're set in stone that this is for life. Oh, you've made that decision (laughs) and what's going to happen to your marriage now sort of thing. That's exactly right. It's we we can change our minds and change them again. That's the beauty of life, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I just think sometimes because like you mentioned, it doesn't fit in the normal family box, marriage box, what a typical setup is that people are scared of it because you know it's not necessarily the choice that they would make but is it not necessarily the choice that they would make because they haven't seen anyone do it before or they've not been exposed to that setup before like exactly it's yeah it could be anything it's i think people fear the unknown and they don't know if they don't see their partner every day if that's going to be is that going to be something that plays on their minds and i've been there i've been in the insecure relationships where i'm like oh my gosh i haven't seen my other partner for the day or haven't spoken to them for a week it's i get i can get that but I think we're comfortable enough in our marriage now that heaven forbid we don't talk for a day or two because he's out on location and we can't get in contact. I'm fine with that and he's fine with that. To me, that's the only two people who should be worried about what's going on inside the marriage. Exactly. So (laughs) in saying that, whereabouts are you guys posted at the moment and what will the near future sort of hold for postings? You mentioned that your husband got an extension of his current posting, but what's likely to happen after the current posting? That I have really no idea. <laughs> so I, I'm one of those probably live in the now type thing where I, I, I guess because it's out of sight, out of mind, I haven't really put much thought into it. I don't even know where he was going to be posted had he been posted last year. But we're currently in Richmond. So we've been here since 2015. We managed to get the posting when my daughter was six weeks old. So that was fun. <laughs> but I don't know where he's likely to go, given that he's in the Air Force. They tend to go between Amberley, Richmond, and I think, um, well, Tyndall's the one that comes up all the time. If Amberley was the one on consideration, it, it, it would be he would obviously go on his own. I wouldn't be able to follow him. If it's somewhere like Williamtown or Wagga or in those locations where they are only a three or a five hour drive home. We agreed that he could drive home every second weekend or every weekend for the Williamtown one because it is only two hours away. So we do have some options. And being that we are recognized as a married member with dependents, so we are recognized as dependents with disability. So that also helps with postings where we can define where we go for locations and things like that because if he needs to be able to get home in a matter of urgency i have a feeling they shouldn't be posting him out to places like tyndall or even out to pierce in perth because it is too far away but i'm not 100 sure if they will consider that or not i don't know <laughs> you haven't had to use that card yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> and i hope i never do <laughs> have you reached out for to make use of any of the spouse support at any point during your journey as a, a defense spouse have you gone to any of the community houses or anything like that I have gone to a couple of the DCO events that they run on the bases and stuff like the Easter egg hunts. Um, I have gone to their family days, their open days, things like that. I haven't really reached out more than that only because where we are currently living in terms of the RAF base, we're still a good 30 Ks away. And given that I can't legally drive, it's not something that I thought if I stick my hand out or try and 
join these communities, am I going to then be burned because I can't physically get out there all the time? One of the things that I did join in though was the RAF base at Richmond do have a cinema on base. And I did happen to sort of join in with that group because my husband would do the projections there as a volunteer and I would volunteer at the candy bar. And even just that was something, something we could do as a family to go out and get in amongst the defence community, which that was always a great thing. And so when you were a new spouse or along your journey as, as a spouse, what information or I guess support or advice was offered to you when you were sort of getting a handle on all that defence life was? Was it filtered through your defence member or did you have contact with anyone from Defence in regard to information or support? I think we didn't really know much about anything, to be honest. The first sort of thing that I touched base with was I, I did get to meet the chaplain because when we got married, we got married on the RAF base at Williamtown and we had one of the chaplains there marry us. So that was sort of my first eye-opening experience into someone else that wasn't my husband in the military. So that was probably an, a step into what they do what and we had to do the that they do a counselling service before they marry you, which was kind of nice. <laughs> but my first real opener into all of the organisations that are affiliated with the Defence Force was when we had our first posting from Newcastle to Sydney. So that was when I first learned about all these other groups that existed. And yeah, it was an eye-opener, but there was it was a very big information overload at the same time because the day that we were, or this meeting that I particularly went to, I was... 36 weeks pregnant <laughs> so I really probably wasn't in the mood to deal with it but it was a lot of people asking really random questions and I think I thought oh no this is not for me I'm not in one of these I don't have questions about where my dog's going to go for the next six weeks there was just a lot of things that I thought I was yeah. it was very overwhelming <laughs> all I need is a nap and a foot massage at this stage <laughs> and I think that was because that was my first experience with all of these communities I just went nope I'm done <laughs> Yeah. And sort of just step back. And I think, yeah, that was, and that was probably the worst, worst timing and the worst way to have been introduced to it all. It wasn't until we had, I think it was our first family day here in Richmond that I actually got to meet the group center because it wasn't so stressful because it wasn't with everybody talking about their postings that year and things like that. I think it was a little bit more relaxed and I got to see the new Padre or the new chaplain at the rough base here. And then we got to see DCO and Defense Bank were set up as well. So we actually got to go around and talk to everyone and it was actually a much more relaxed so the family days are really beneficial and if anyone can get to them they really should and do you think you sort of have that weight lifted off your shoulders with connecting in with the defense community because you you do know that you have made that decision to stay in the location that you are and you've got your parents nearby and you've yep. sort of got that support network so there's no nothing really sort of I guess forcing you to have to reach out and connect with people that you can support and that they can support you back? Yeah, I think because we've made that decision that, yeah, I would stay here long term and I have got my family in nearby. Like I've got between my parents only being up the road, I've got my sister up the road as well. My brother's only five minutes away. My grandparents are still fully able to drive and they're only 20 minutes away. I think having so many people around nearby that I can rely on that if my husband was to go away or be posted elsewhere that I know I can survive. And I think, yeah, it, it has made it a bit that 
I haven't reached out that further to join all the other groups or reach out for support because I don't want to be taking it away from someone who needs it more than me. I know that they will help me if I need it. And I know the special needs group have reached out. One of the coordinators is really good and she would always reach out four times a year just to see how I was going. So they would reach out and just check in and things like that, which was always great. But I think there wasn't a service that I needed from them. So even if I did need it, I think I wouldn't take it from someone else that would need it more than me. And mental health wise, how do you look after your mental health? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) At the moment, my mental health probably sits at the back of my mind rather than something that I do look after, which that sounds really bad. (laughs) I guess because I do work five day fortnight at the moment, having that balance between work home life has been good. And given that because I don't drive, going to work gives me something to do that I'm not just stuck in the house 24 seven or having to rely on someone else to take me to places. So I guess that has been, that's been helpful being having somewhere to go, having a bit of a purpose, I guess. And because I work with a lot of really sick people, I guess because I go to work and I see all this, I don't take anything for granted. But in terms of looking after it, I always make sure that no matter what, even if there's washing or housework to do, I leave it once 10 o'clock rolls around because that needs to be my time to wind down. And I have that hour while the kids are in bed, whether husband's here or away or on night shift or whatever. But from 10 o'clock, that's my time to sit back and just watch TV, zone out. And that's enough of a reset for me. And so how do you think, obviously, because your husband's been around for a few years now, mm-hmm. like, um, how do you think you'll go with the transition of when he does get posted to another location and you know, you guys are apart during the week or every fortnight sort of thing. How do you think you'll go? It sounds great on paper that the whole we'll do it distance wise, but until we actually experience it, I really can't tell you. I know in the instances where he's gone away for trips where it's been one, two, three weeks, four weeks a month, we've managed. And I don't know if that's because I know there's an end in sight or if it's just, I just get on with it. Most of those trips though were done sort of last year while I was on maternity leave. So I guess because I was home, that was different, but I think it's going to be an eye opener and I'll be thankful that when he does go, if he ever does get posted, it will be not until my son's about four or five. And at least at four or five, he's going to be much more easier to manage than now at one where he's just in everything, wants to touch everything, wants to make make a mess of everything and everything's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. At least the little one will be able to shout in full sentences at you what they what they actually want as opposed to you know just screaming at you yes and that's I've literally just I've put him to bed to come on and do this and it's yeah for the last two hours I've just had screaming at me and I'm like what is your problem dude <laughs> he doesn't know you don't know no one he knows. doesn't know <laughs> that is so true and so what have you learned along the way like what advice can you give to others who maybe are just starting the journey of being a defense spouse and and I guess maybe especially to those defense partners who maybe have a disability or have special needs that need to be considered and I guess giving them some advice as to not letting that stop them from doing what they want to do. I would suggest as soon as you can get yourself recognized as dependents with special needs. So if there are anything that is available directly to your disability, you are recognized and are entitled to it. I highly recommend it. It was a bit of a journey to get to being recognized because it does involve doctor's appointments. In my case, it required a letter from not only my optometrist, but my ophthalmologist to confirm my diagnosis, my abilities and disabilities. 
it does sound like, you know, when you've got something that like a sensory disability, like what I do have that you think, okay, I've done all this work to make myself better. You still got to undo it to make yourself recognized appropriately. So for anyone that is with any type of disability, whether it's yourself, your children, getting it recognized as soon as possible. So you are entitled to benefits if and when they are available and applicable to anyone starting this journey. All I can say is good luck (laughs) and go with the flow. It is hard when I'm, I'm such a routine person where I like to know what I'm doing every day of the week based on what I'm doing, where I'm going for work, what activities the kids have on each night, what I'm doing for dinner, what's going on when, where and why. And it's really hard to do that with a military spouse. So if you are a person that is with routine, sometimes you do need to throw it out and just go with it. Sometimes it does also help to have a a vague routine that doesn't include your spouse. And whilst that might sound harsh, it is a reality that they will be here and they're not here from time to time. So having a routine that you are okay to be on your own and if you're not to reach out coming onto the group chats with you through the military wife life that's been great just on the times when even if I don't say anything just coming on and seeing everyone else there and just it gives you an hour of not thinking about what's going on in your own life that you can talk to other women who do relate to what you're going through and understand what you're talking about when you say different things because just talking to your friends sometimes they don't get it and talking to someone in the community with the military life, they will get it. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you're a planner, you like to have the routines, but sometimes you just have to throw them out the window and it's okay to do that sometimes. Yep. And knowing that it's okay to do that sometimes kind of lifts the weight off your shoulders and, and having that plan in the back of your mind. So like being a planner and yep. not being able to plan because of defense life, but still having a fallback plan for when you can't plan. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with cheese toast for dinner. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with, hey, you don't even have to put, put cheese on it. That's getting fancy. So Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Honor, and telling us about your experience as a defence spouse and I guess the way that you and your defence member and your family are choosing to live your life and, you know, the choices that you are making that suit your family and letting us know about those. Thank you for having me. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 